3: so I'm here to let you know it's time to listen to the Pancake and Power Slam Show. Let's go! Turn it up, turn it up. It's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up. It's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up. It's the Pancake and Power Slam Show. Uh. Turn it up, turn it up. It's the Pancake and Power Slam. Play up, turn it up. It's the Pancake and Power Slam. it up, turn it up. It's the Pancake and Power Slam Show. Uh.
4: episode 167 this is going to be a fantastic show we are here we are live indeed 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 pancakes and power slam show every tuesday night you know how it is 11 o'clock on tuesday nights is literally one of the best 90 minutes than anyone could ever invest in, because we have so much. We talk about so much amazing wrestling spanning from decades after decades, from old to new, and of course you know how it is. We have Money in the Bank predictions and all types of good stuff today. But you know what? we got such an amazingly packed and awesome show. We have Mr... Without further ado, we have one-third of the rising from TNA, the Eli Drake. How are you tonight, sir?
0: I'm doing great. Let me talk to you, everybody. Yeah. What's going on?
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I'm sure that you're uh, in the NBA playoffs. What What are you thinking so far? <laughs> well, I'm
0: actually sitting here with it on right now. Um It's, uh, you know, it's been a wild series, two games in a row. You're talking about going to uh, overtime, and now we're looking at uh, Cleveland's kind of been pulling away, but it looks like, uh, you know, Golden State's still staying in the game, so anything can happen at this point.
4: Absolutely. Well, I mean, of course, because last game they were down 11 with three minutes to go, uh, and they came back and and took it to overtime. I, I tell you what, I think the only reason why Golden State lost last time, was because uh, Steph Curry, I mean, he's a monster anytime time else, but he was on a, a huge shooting slump uh, a uh, couple nights ago, and uh, I think okay. that was probably one same of the biggest game. reasons why. Yeah. yeah, same thing this year. He, he
0: actually, uh, I don't think he's put any buckets down until uh, I think the last couple of minutes he started to, but uh, other than that, I don't think he'd hit anything since the beginning of the game.
4: Yeah, and, and it's sad because, you know, he's coined his arguably the greatest shooter of all time, breaking all types of records, three-point season records, free throw percentage records. I think it was like 94% uh, he broke the record. And, yeah, I mean, for him to be such an amazing – I mean, he was MP, MVP. For him to be, to be such an amazing uh, uh, shooter, ah, quite sad, quite sad. He's just to step up. But, I, you know, I, I think that's useful. You know, getting experience
0: and, uh, you know, this is the biggest game he's ever been in, biggest series he's ever been in. So, something he'll step up to,
1: I think.
4: Yeah, I, th- I think so, too. I mean, he's been in the league six years and, uh, you know, he's had an opportunity to go to the playoffs before and uh, didn't uh, didn't pan out too well. He lost in uh, six, uh I think it was the second round, the uh, last time he went to playoffs. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We will definitely, definitely see uh how that goes but let's let's talk about you let let's talk about you and let's talk about just the life and times of eli Drake uh there's been um uh, for for avid wrestling fans like myself uh we know you now was Eli Drake. Of course, uh, uh, people familiar with you know you as uh, Sean Ricker, of course, and uh, you know a bunch of different other names, uh, Slayton Randall. Uh, you know, there, there's there's a bunch of different other names uh, that uh, yep. you've had during your pro wrestling tenure. So, yeah, uh, you, you started you started what year? And, and and always every you know just about everybody I uh, interview. I asked him, like, what was it? Why wrestling out of the thousands and thousands of possible life choices you could have made? What was it about wrestling that said, that right there, that's what I want to spend my career doing? Was it someone you emulated growing up? Was it uh, just a, a talk in the gym? What was it?
0: Well, you know, I, I'm going to start with the, the question as to when I when I got started. And the reason I'm going to start there is because I've, I've read a lot of stuff about me on the Internet, and a lot of it is so incredibly wrong. Uh, and just information that I've never seen or heard of, places <laughs> that I've never wrestled before I'd ever even been in a ring. Um, you know, a lot of places say that I started in 2002, which isn't far off. I started in 2003. Uh, in Cincinnati, Ohio, under Heartland Wrestling Association. Uh Cody mm-hmm. Hawk is the main trainer. I guess the guy at the helm uh right around that same time was Les Thatcher. Um and uh he's actually the same guy who trained uh John Moxley and uh, uh Solomon Crow. Uh actually John Moxley was my roommate for about two years. Um I'm sorry, mm-hmm. Dean Ambrose, excuse me. Um yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um but as far as what drew me into wrestling, um You know, it's something I've been enamored with since I was a child. Um, Since before I can remember, honestly. Uh, I can remember the the amount of toy wrestling rings that I broke as a child.
4: Um,
0: (laughs) You know, just playing and what I I think I had. uh, I think it was AWA had a ring out when I was a little kid. Um, And it was one of the only ones that had an actual like canvas on it. Um, I believe it was tan, if I'm not mistaken. But that was my very first, like, toy wrestling ring. Broke that one, then upgraded to the WWF wrestling ring for the big rubber figures. Um, And it's just something that's always been in my life. I think uh, Christmas when I was five, my brother got me the Hulk Hogan workout set. I was a huge, huge Hulkamaniac. That was my thing. Um, And so, you know, even when – just something I've always followed – You know, since I was a little kid and, you know, sneaking out when I'm supposed to be in bed already and I'm yelling at the TV when Nikolai Volkov's on there and calling him names, So he's talking bad about Hulk Hogan. I can't have that.
4: That's right. uh,
0: So, you know, it's stuff like that. And it's just something that continued on. Um, Even through, you know, middle school, high school, and a high school, you're talking about something that just totally changed. you got the NWO that came in. And still, I was a huge Hogan fan.
3: So Mm -hmm. for me
0: it was kinda like being a you know, twelve or thirteen year old kid at the time. I was like, Oh no, because I was always I, I loved the good guys. I was that was me. I, I loved the heroes. I loved the good guy who would come out, you know, through all the all the different problems and trouble and getting beat down. He could always come through. And Hogan was that guy. And mm-hmm. so to see him go NWO I was like, oh no But I was like, all right, but I still gotta support him. So I stuck there and I was hardcore with the nwo but then all of a sudden you got steve austin all of a sudden you got Mm -hmm. the rock and i fell in love with those two guys uh just the the trash talk and the fact that you can come out there run your mouth and then go in and back it up Mm -hmm. it was awesome And, and it was a different element because yeah hogan cut promos he was a big personality and stuff like that but it wasn't quite as edgy, I guess you could say, and I'm not even saying with the language or anything like that, just more of the presentation, how they said it, very hard-hitting, straightforward, uh, that kind of stuff really spoke to me, and they weren't high flyers, they didn't do anything super flashy in the ring, but everything they did had meaning and it was very intense, and uh, you know, it first started out with me emulating Steve Austin for like probably a year, I think I was in 10th grade, uh, and everything was stone cold, stone cold, stone cold. Fast forward to around the time of the corporation, we're talking about 1998, 1999, and I started growing the uh, the rock sideburns down to my jaw. Um, and, you know, I started dressing in the collared shirts all the time and just started dressing really so much better instead of walking like the rock and stuff like that. and uh, it, it was a crazy kind of thing where, you know, um, my friends would start telling me, you know, you, you're you're totally going to be a wrestler. And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm too small. I'm too skinny. You know, at the time, I was 150 pounds. I'd run cross-country. You know, I'd also play football and basketball and baseball. But as a lean guy, I was very lean, but I was still, like, a small guy. I was like, there's no way I need to be a big guy. Now, the funny thing is, you look around the independent scene, I didn't know that small, skinny wrestlers existed. Um, and I still didn't want to be that anyway. So... Uh, You know, I went to college. That, unfortunately, ended early for me, uh, West Virginia University. Uh, And so as soon as I got out of there, I think it was probably, I'd say, 12 months of work and odd jobs to just kind of save up money to figure out where I was going to go to start training to wrestle. And that ended up being Cincinnati, Ohio. So Mm -hmm. I got a little long-winded on you there for a second. But basically, it's something that's always been with me to tie this all together with a bow. It's something that's always been with me, something I've always wanted to do. And it's kind of that, it's that aspect of, of the theatrics, the Mm
1: -hmm.
0: immediate response from the fans, that kind of um, romance, if you will, where it's kind of a back and forth with the audience. And also just having that action where it's, you know, there's that you're telling stories physically, but you're also telling stories verbally. And, Mm -hmm. Although there's kind of a direction you're going in, there's not necessarily a script per se. So it's like you kind of get a lot of control to have this beautiful blank canvas to do so much stuff with. And I think that's really what I love about the wrestling business.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I would venture to say uh, the rock and, and stone code is, is, Kind of uh, as inspiration to your promo style. I mean, I've seen a lot of your promos over the years, and and uh, you know, a lot of people have have mentioned that. And I, I suppose that it would it would be correct to say that The Rock and Stone Cold are are really the inspiration to your promo style. Absolutely,
0: and and I would say the others who kind of sneak in there as like a, a second tier would be uh, Flair and Jake Roberts. And only more recently, I've been kind of kind of trying to, you know, just sneak little bits from Jim Cornette. I love a Jim Cornette promo. That guy is out of his <laughs> mind, and it's fantastic every time he says something. So those are kind of like, that's like my Mount Rushmore for promos. Is those yeah. it, 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 you know, it's, it's Rock, Austin, Flair, uh, Jake the Snake, and then uh, Jim Cornette.
4: And those yeah. are like
0: all my kind of inspirations rolled up into one.
4: I'm, I'm gonna ch- I'm gonna challenge you. I'm gonna challenge you. The next time you get on the mic or, or whenever soon, I-, I challenge you to to throw in a little bit of Road Warrior Hawk in there. And he he, he uh, I tell you, man, he was one of my favorite promo cutters of all time. I was a huge Road Warriors fan, and what I like so much about Road Warrior Hawk. Is he would just tell a story, you know? Only thing we yep. need, we just needed to hear three words, and that was tell him Hawk. Well, yep. you know, he, and he would just. Say, I was in Chicago the other day, and somebody t- pushed me. Haven't seen him since, you know. Just, this this something real. <laughs> this oh, this yeah. is a storytelling oh, yeah. type of thing.
0: And that's kind of you know I haven't gotten a chance to do that on TNA TV yet, but a lot of times in like Championship Wrestling Hollywood or Future Stars in Wrestling yeah. in Vegas, um, I. I was very adamant about telling little stories that may or may not have happened, how I said, uh, but somehow tying them into whatever I was saying. I mean, one time I was talking about a, you know, how I encountered a cougar at a pool at a, you know, some Las Vegas pool, or I told a story about having a dinner with my father and he made these great mashed potatoes and passed the gravy daddy and all this other nonsense. So I, I definitely, that aspect. And as far as the, the gruff, Road Warrior Hawk voice, I would be doing him a tremendous disservice if I even attempted to do that.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think I already did, actually. But, (laughs) yeah. um, But but I'll do it in a way that I just really emulated. It was something about Road Warrior Hawk's promos that just, as a kid, and I grew up in the 80s watching N.W.A., and just something about his, I mean, Arn Anderson, Arn Anderson and Road Warrior Hawk was two, two of my best promo cutters in the eighties. Um, yep. and, and just because of just, just their cadence, their style, it was absolutely amazing. And of course, Flair and Blanchard and all the horsemen, uh, well, Arn Blanchard and Flair of the horsemen were good promo cutters. And then, you know, You'll, you'll throw in Oli, and he'll say something every now and then. But uh, I, I would say Flair, Arn, and and and, and Tully would, was was really the, three of the best promo cutters um, in the '80s. And of course, you throw in Road Warrior Hawk and um, Stings. My all-time favorite wrestler. Uh, he wasn't a, he wasn't the best promo guy, but he he would definitely captivate the audience. Uh, with with uh, his his excitement, so yeah, I mean, I <laughs> promos money, man, and I and I was, you know, it seems like when when you first came in TNA and the Rising and you grabbed the mic, people were expecting, you know, people who follow you through, uh, uh, t- t- championship wrestling from uh, Hollywood, and all the other you know in the independent promotions you run, of course HWA, you know, they're they're used to that. Character that you've already built for yourself before, you know, going into TNA and the tenure that you've had, you know, almost over ten years, you know, nearly a dozen years wrestling before you had an opportunity to, uh, you know, to to get into a, a quote unquote big promotion like TNA. Although Championship Wrestling from Hollywood uh, is a very huge uh promotion that was backed for the NWA for a while uh, and actually you know had some 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 TV time so yeah i mean yeah, very, and they, very and they still actually
0: have some pretty good coverage as well i think it's uh, on youtube america across the country i mean it's kind of a, a small station uh but it is uh, it is nationwide at least and although i'm not yeah. with them anymore it's it's still a great program i think definitely worth checking out uh, i think the website's like hollywoodwrestling.com
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Hell yeah! Get on there, check it out, and uh, and also yeah, if you go to YouTube, you can find a lot, find a lot of the old stuff that I was in, and uh, you yeah. know a lot of a lot of familiar faces actually too. Uh, Dan O'Brien
4: and uh, uh, Samoa Joe, and a lot
0: of guys. Yeah, Adam
1: Pearce, yeah.
4: yeah, Adam Pearce, absolutely. Joey Ryan, a lot of uh, a lot of big names. Uh, least Scorpio Sky was in uh, Championship Wrestling absolutely. from Hollywood, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, yeah, uh and and so so HWA, HWA, you, you talked about your Cincinnati uh stomping grounds. Uh and you were there for for what? 6 or 7 years, correct? 6 years. Worst 6 years of my life. Uh I hated Cincinnati. <laughs> God damn it
0: was the worst. Um but uh it, it, you know what though? It, it was it was one of the greatest places to train and even if I didn't know that at the time, I know it now. Uh, mm. because You know, I've been to different training schools, you know, even within Cincinnati, my own uh, hometown in Hagerstown, Maryland, uh, you know, out here in California, and nobody still to this day has been as hands-on and good as Cody Hawk was. Um, He was -hmm. very – it it was micromanaged to the point where little details were were very much paid attention to. So, you know, there are other trainings that I'd go to, and, you know, the guy who was running it would be – sitting off to the side, kind of watching. And if things went catastrophically wrong, he would step in and fix it. But if there were, like, details wrong and somebody had, you know, this in the wrong place or whatever, he just kind of let it go. And And I think that that's a big problem with a lot of the independents today as you got a lot of these kids getting cranked out that don't mm-hmm. really know exactly what they're doing, but somebody gives them kind of a half ass training, sends them on their way, and they think they're ready to do these shows. And, and it's just it looks bad for the business. I think it looks bad for wrestling in general. And I'm very thankful that I uh, ended up getting a lot better training than that. Uh, and I'm yeah. in the, the occasional, you know, less thatcher trainings as well. And he's just out of his mind, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but it was always fun. And he always knew what he was talking about. Like, and I say he's out of his mind and, and he'll know what I'm talking about. And anybody who's ever worked with less thatcher, will know what I'm talking about, but he, he's very quick to get heated. But the funny thing is everything he's getting heated about. He's always right about, um, Mm -hmm. so you know it's it's kind of an old school mentality an old school look at things Um, but when it comes down to it as far as wrestling is concerned uh, it it all goes back to those fundamentals and basic psychologies and if you have all that stuff together which is always what I learned there uh, I think you're going to do well and as you can see I think there are three guys from there who are doing very well right now Dean Ambrose Probably doing the best of all of us right now. You got uh, Solomon Crow in NXT. You got me in TNA. So
4: something had to be going right there. Absolutely. Any notable. (laughs) I'm sorry. Yeah, even though, go ahead. No, even though what? You said said even even though?
0: Yeah, I was going to say even though on a personal level I kind of hated Cincinnati. And really a lot of the guys in the wrestling scene there um, weren't, weren't really guys you'd ever. Call Your Friend, um, very, you know, when I came out to California, uh, the atmosphere, so much more friendly, so much more accepting, not everybody kind of talking crap behind your back
1: and mm-hmm. all that
0: kind of stuff. But that that's all that it seemed like it was in Ohio, um, at least in the Cincinnati loop. And, and you know, I mean, it, again, there were good points. The training was good, and and it was good to get that little bit of experience and whatnot, but uh, as far as politically and whatnot, got I'm so happy when I got out of
4: there. Yeah. <laughs> Very interesting. Well, I I'm born and raised and currently live in Ohio. Um but uh yeah, I'm I'm all about the Ohio uh promotion of HWA and just uh you know uh the, the stars that were carved from there, but yeah, I've I've heard some uh, interesting stories <laughs> about HWA uh, and it was it was it was quite interesting the stories that I heard and uh yeah, sure. I've heard that about Thatcher as well. So um any any anyone other than Moxley or Ambrose and um a, a, anyone from there and of course Crow um a, any other people that that we know of that you had feuds with that uh, you can remember. Because you used to team with Moxley, right? Yeah, for a little bit. Uh, Moxley, Moxley mm-hmm.
0: and I teamed together. We, we lived together for a couple years. Um,
4: uh, well, you know, Pepper Parks
0: was there. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Um, mm-hmm. B.J. Whitmer came out of there. Um, yeah, yeah. Nigel, uh, yeah, Nigel McGinnis, I don't know that he started there, uh, but he was definitely there for most of the time that I was there. Uh, so I got yeah. to work with him a few times. Um, uh, maybe a little less known, Chad Taylor, uh more known in Japan, yep. but um definitely, he had a TNA uh, run. Yeah, and I had a good, solid feud with him there a couple times too. So uh, that was mm-hmm. great experience. And the great thing about Chad was he was very giving. He actually asked to work with me, um, mm-hmm. and he was awesome, very giving. Um, and, and the feud was great, back and forth with me and him, and you know I'm more of a talker than him so he would kind of you know he's a very technical guy so he's doing all these crazy submissions and I'm you know talking trash the whole damn time so you know it was a good time
4: and <laughs> yeah. for a 22 year
0: old me you
4: know it was a good learning experience yeah that's awesome so you you move. what decided what what made you have the decision or, or what 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 was the deciding factor of the end of your uh, Heartland Wrestling Association tenure, because uh, I know that you went to um, uh, CWFH, and you did some indie work in between. If I'm not mistaken, what was it? Because around that time, you um, really started to become incredibly notable, you know, not- notable in in uh, championship wrestling from Hollywood. Uh, but yeah. w- in between HWA and and Championship Wrestling Hollywood, um, what decided the transition? Was there someone you knew from uh, the the organization? Was it just a a, a time to, uh, to 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 go? Um, because well, it, it was really that. The, it was really
0: just time to go. Um, time to go. I yeah. Had actually, yeah, I I had actually tried to leave uh, Cincinnati in two thousand six initially. Um, I had, um, I took the summer off with HWA in, uh, 2006 and mm-hmm. I was just getting really frustrated with a lot of things and there were just some personal issues and things like that. And I just kind of walked away for a, for a couple of months. Um, uh, I think finally I came back, ended up having like another feud with Chad Collier as we were just talking about a minute ago. And it was, it was kind of like my goodbye, um, came back with that feud uh, left to move to, to move to uh, Southern California because I was thinking, you know, here I've been wrestling for, at that point, three years, almost four years, and I wanted to expand and go somewhere else. But at the same time, I was also thinking, that'd be kind of cool if I could get into acting somehow. Maybe I could, uh, you know, uh, land something on TV or, you know, movie or something, anything. So I moved out to California, um, and it just went horribly wrong really quickly. Uh, immediately when I got out of here, you know, I came out here with almost nothing—no money, no nothing. I was, you know, broke. Twenty—I think I left on my 24th birthday, so you know, I was 24 years old. Um, and long story short, everything went really badly. And I ended up moving back to Cincinnati, um, just because it made more sense to go there than to go all the way back to Maryland. You know, all my friends from home are scattered about the United States, and at least I had like a wrestling base I could go back and wrestle in Cincinnati. So. Mm. Ended up going back there, uh, wrestled for a couple more years. They brought me back in, and I was doing, um, you know, other little indies around there, like, you know, in other places in Indiana. And, and you know, even in the Indiana, I noticed that there was a big difference in the way I was treated, where it just seemed like in Cincinnati I was never treated very well. Um, and I'm not saying I have to complain or whatever. It's just, you know, an observance. But when I would go to Indiana, it was like... You know, there was like a massive amount of respect, like, oh, here's this guy, he's been wrestling for a while, he's got a good look, you know, whatever. Um, And so there was something about that that drew me, and I just felt like I didn't want to get stuck in that quagmire of, well, first of all, there was a lot of negativity. And and second, on top of that, it was just like, if if I don't extend my horizons and go work in other areas, like, I'm not going to grow. And, you know, I'm not going to learn to work with different styles and different people and whatnot. And at the same time, again, I wanted to be in Southern California. I loved the weather out here for the six months that I spent the first time I tried to move out here. Um, and actually, when I would moved back to Cincinnati for that second time in 2007, I would actually started to land some national commercial gigs, uh, in like from Cincinnati. So I had an agent there. Uh, I was getting commercials. I did an Animal Planet TV show. And now I'm like, okay, great. Now this time around I can go to California. I'll have a resume. Plus i have wrestled now for, you know, at that point it was like five or six years I'd been wrestling. So left, came out here, uh, just searched for different wrestling schools, wrestling shows I could show up at. I remember I just showed up at PWG once having no idea what PWG was. Never heard of it. <laughs> Never paid attention to it. Didn't know anything about it. And I just decided, all right, well, I'll just go into this show and I'll just, like, see the people. And here I, you know, see all these guys who I'd heard of from, you know, the independents and whatnot um, and saying hello, introducing myself. Um, That didn't really ever go anywhere because I didn't know who I was talking to, what I was doing. I didn't know who the guy was to talk to. um, And they didn't know me. So... I think a few, maybe like a week later, I ended up going to the Mach 1 wrestling uh, training school that they had Mm -hmm. on Anaheim. Went down there. Um, Immediately, it was, like, very welcoming. Uh, They let me come in and work out with them. They were like, hey, we've got this show Friday. Why don't you come work that? Did that. And I think that's where I met uh, David Marquez. And he was telling me about this idea that they had to start running, you know, a TV show because they used to have something with Championship Wrestling in Hollywood. And they were the NWA promotion and all this stuff. And um, so I started working those Mach 1 shows for a while. And then that ended up merging kind of with Championship Wrestling Hollywood that ended up launching in 2010. And from there, it was kind of just... You pair that with with me getting locked up with uh, uh, Percy Pringle. And it was just like this perfect thing. So um, that was around 2010. And we have just been going strong from 2010 to about 2013. And then, of course, pushed the cast in 2013. Around the same time, I was filming The Hero with The Rock uh, on TNT. Um, uh, I ended up getting signed at WWE. And, and a lot of people think that I, I got signed because I was on the show, but actually I got signed before I went to film the show because um, mm-hmm. I actually had, I had to try out beforehand. And it was already, you know, I was given the notice, like, hey, you know, we're going to bring you aboard. We're going to move forward with this. And then it was like, hey, you're going to the show. And I'm like, oh, this is so great. So many things are happening all at once here. Um, Mm -hmm. But I guess long story short, my my reasoning for getting out of Cincinnati was to grow and to do different things and to not just be stuck in the same soup that I was sitting in for, you know, four, five, six years.
4: Yeah. Got a bunch of questions here. We'll ask them here in a minute. So, let's talk about Championship Wrestling from Hollywood for Well, well, let's let's backtrack a little bit. Tough Enough. Mm-hmm. You 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 uh Okay, so we got the Tough Enough craze coming back and it's going to be debuting in a couple weeks. So, and and it seems like the opportunity is a lot um more accessible uh, than it was, you know, 10 years back. Uh how different uh, I don't know how much you're following the uh, all of the submissions the video submissions and just the how how they're doing tough enough now how different was tough enough as far as really getting the spot to be one of the finalists as it seems to be now and it was you know the last uh season when Stone Cold was was hosting what what differences do you see how difficult was it back then
0: well a lot of people don't um a lot of people don't know this but in 2004 um, I was actually part of the uh the tough enough, the million dollar tough enough that the Miz was on that was part of SmackDown. Um, and at that point, uh they brought fifty of us to fifty of us out of the you know, the thousands of people who sent in their submission. They brought fifty of us to Venice Beach, California. Uh we ran all these uh all these uh, different um obstacle courses and you know, we had these promos and all this stuff and everything. And at the end of the I think the end of the first day they dropped us to twenty five. Uh, And then at the end of that second day on the 25, they picked eight contestants for the show, and they picked two alternates. And I ended up being one of the alternates with uh, another guy. I I can't remember his name, so it doesn't matter. Um, They never ended up using us, of course, which I was baffled by, because I remember this Marine guy dropped out, like, the very first week. And I was like, oh, perfect, this is our opportunity. And neither of us would call. Um, But regardless, it kind of feels more... See, I I haven't followed the process so much except for um, I know a couple guys from out here who sent videos. And so I've kind of watched their stuff, which, you know, you get in that YouTube vortex and you start looking at other things too. So, you know, I've seen a couple of the other videos also. They're like, you know, you might like this too. And as far as I can tell, I think they they picked 40 people. So it sounds kind of more like the old school style as opposed to like the 2011 version where it's just, you know, casting company, we're going to pick – these eight people, and that's it. Yeah, now, in this one, instead, yeah. it's more like, okay, let's bring all 40, and I'm imagining they're going to run them through the mill, and uh, and it's going to be just the old-school way, where, you know, you got the 40, you break them down to 20 or whatever, and then you break it down to 10 or however many it's going to be on the show. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, uh, if I don't forget about it, because I'm the worst at remembering to watch any TV show. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a cool opportunity for, for kids and guys and girls and whoever. I hate to say the word kids. It sounds like I'm old or something. But uh, <laughs> uh, it's um, it's it, it's a good opportunity. I, I think some people get soured on the idea, especially people who, you know, have been in the business for 12 years or whatever, you know, however long. But when you think about it, it's kind of, you know, get in how you get in. I, I don't think that uh, yeah.
4: you can really hate on somebody for taking advantage of an opportunity that's that's absolutely right. I I totally agree with that. And I I can see it from both ends um just because someone who, you know, you know someone's breaking into the business and it took them so long and this and this and that and you know, and it's you, you, just because it it took, you know, this person, you know, who started wrestling in 85, you know, it, it yeah. took them so long to, to become champ, you know, 10 years later, and they have the, you know, blood, sweat, and tears, and this, this, and that, you know, I've been wrestling in the business for 15 years, how would you, you know, and I've, and I've seen it, I've seen people say that, I've, I've, i watched hundreds, and hundreds, and hundreds of hours of interviews from different, different people, I, I'm a journalist, so, so I, I got to Just continue to continue to just watch uh, and just immerse myself into wrestling stuff. And I've watched hundreds of interviews of uh, just people just kind of having just an ill will, you know, towards people who, you know, kind of, you know, just kind of didn't take as long to break in the business. You know, sure. as they did, and I, I'm not a big fan of that mentality because well, you Hennington, know, that not only does not only does that uh, discourage you know someone from wanting to continue to, to to follow their dreams, but it kind of you know it, it kind of beats someone up even before you know they they get beat up in the ring you know from a mental standpoint. So I'm not a big fan. I remember watching the first Tough Enough, and you know a. Uh, an unnamed person that was uh, quite short and stout and used to uh, be a champion of a uh, now defunct promotion uh, was talking about uh, was, was saying stuff like that. And I, you know, although I was a big fan of that guy, of said guy uh, in his wrestling career, I wasn't a big fan of just the you know you owe me type of mentality. I'm not I'm not a big fan of that.
0: Yeah, that it's, it's kind of. Um,
4: Uh, The the one thing that does drive me nuts,
0: actually, um, (laughs) is is, I even had a guy uh, message me recently on on Facebook asking me, you know, uh, what he should do. Should he send in this tough enough video? He'll do anything. I keep hearing these people say that they'll do anything, and if they'll do anything, it makes me wonder, well, why haven't you already done anything and gotten yourself into a wrestling school and gone to start learn? Like, like, like. Learn today. Go pay and begin training. If if you're really willing to do anything, I can't imagine that that thought just popped in your head today when WWE's like, oh, we're having tough enough. Oh, well, now I'd do anything. Yesterday, (laughs) eh, not so much. Like, That's kind of goofy. And make me know, and I think anybody with a brain in their head know, that these people are just full of BS. And obviously they're trying to sell themselves, but anybody who's listening is going to know that they're fooling.
4: Yeah. Yeah, and usually those people just want, you know, a spot just for the notoriety and don't really care about anything else. Uh, they just sure. they just want their name to be out there for the next acting gig or, you know, next commercial. So, you know, they, they won't last long anyways. So championship wrestling from, from Hollywood, you, you went in there, and how in the world – did you pair up with the Percy Pringle? I mean, we 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 saw for those who watch watched it, you know, and, still, and follow the, the the brand and the organization, saw how it all mapped out. But just what was what was the backstage discussion? Was it something that uh, Paul Bear? Uh, was it did he see you and said, "I want to work with this kid," or, or was it just? your your personality fit with the manager? Because if we remember, I mean, Percy Pringle, uh, it, Paul Bear was a much, much different uh, manager than Percy Pringle was. For those who, you know, uh, follow uh, world-class championship wrestling and uh, USWA and, 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 you know, organizations like that back in the 80s, and '90s, early '90s, Percy Pringle III was a very flamboyant, blonde-haired, you know, showy manager. And then we got Paul Bear that was just the antithesis of that. But just the managerial skills that he has is almost is absolutely impeccable. He's one of the greatest ever. Let absolutely. us know how that came about.
0: Well, you know, I'd love to take all the credit and just say that you know I was such a great talent that. Percy personally um personally uh I mean, maybe eventually that would have been the case. Um, and I've actually got to give all the credit to uh, David Marquez. Um, he, um, Brian Cage and I were tagged up as uh, a tag team called natural selection.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: uh, you know, it was kind of like two guys who kind of very similar look to big more muscular guys. And the idea was, well, let's, Possibly push them to be the NWA World Tag Team Champions, and he figured you got two guys who have the look, and then you throw in that X factor, of Pringle, and it's uh, you got a Quinella right there. That's a winner, and so it never ended up getting to that point because of all of the back and forth bickerings with the NWA and stuff like that, and, and just a lot of infighting with, with the actual politics of it. Um, now, eventually. Uh, you know, what ended up happening was basically just, uh, Brian wasn't there on the first meeting. Uh, I think I ended up just going with David Marquez to a, uh, I think we were a freak boy actually. <laughs> it's just a uh, guy in like Anaheim, California. And, uh, here was uh, I walk in and I meet Percy Pringle for the first time sitting at the diner table and we sit down and we have some food we talk, get the introduction and just find out we're going to be working together. And then, uh, The rest is history from that point, and we ended up having, like, a a three-year partnership. And um, 2010 to about 2013, it was him and I. Even after uh, our tag team broke up, uh, Percy stayed with me.
4: Yeah, and what are the biggest takeaways that you got from uh, your alliance with Percy?
0: Well, I mean, that guy has some incredible stories. And because, you know, he was around during the territory days, he was around in WWF, um, you know, when, when that was in, you know, blowing up in the, you know, early '90s, and then again through the attitude there and all that. So there's just so much, a wealth of knowledge there. Uh, and on top of that, it was he was always very welcoming and almost, almost ecstatic to give advice or some sort of direction. Um, I can remember many times where, you know, I'd be at kind of a crossroads as to what I wanted to do or where I wanted to go or like, should I do this? Should I do this? And I trusted him because he'd done so much in his career and been so many places where I would basically send him a message, email, Facebook, whatever, something. And he would give me the most thought-out, um, in-depth answer and and then express, like, extreme gratitude on the end that I was even asking him. Like, he, he was so touched and, and happy at the fact that I was asking him these questions, trusted in him. Um, and so to get that kind of attention, I think is incredible, especially from a guy who's done as much as he has. And, you know, on on a side note, not to take anything away here, but also, you know, who I noticed that with, I don't know if it's just a manager thing or an old school thing or what, Jimmy Hart, um, who I've had very limited exposure with, um, but I met him at like SummerSlam 2011 and the guy was just awesome. Like just willing to just outright talk to you. Didn't have an attitude about anything. The guy's like a legend. And I remember he was going to get a water, and this this would never happen. I think with most of it, even like the main roster guys, unless you already knew him or whatever. But to him, I didn't know me. I wasn't on the roster. Nobody knew me. And Jimmy Hart's like, hey, let me get your water. And I'm like, you're, you're Jimmy Hart. You're awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it was it was just really cool because he was down to earth. He wasn't too big for himself. And um, so you, you know
4: stuff like that really uh, that, that goes a long way. Well, wow, absolutely it does. I mean, you you're talking about two of the greatest managers in the history of the business that, you know, with with 30 years of experience and uh, you know, over a, a over a half a century combined. And that's that's a, that's absolutely amazing that someone like that, you know, would be so humbling. <laughs> you know, people You know, people honor them so much that they should be giving you know them water, so to speak. But for them, you know, for them to be do that in such a humbling gesture is is definitely a. To me, I think it's it's. it's, Yeah, I was going to say to me, I think it's just a a sign of really how rustlers, you know, should. Should look at stuff like that and not feel that you know people have to jock you know jockey for spots. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I I think that that feel that people should look at that.
0: Yeah, and I know there's probably a lot of people listening right now. Like, what's this idiot talking about? He's just getting some water. But but you know, I mean, it's it's really a huge gesture from a guy like that. Where you you you, you get a lot of people in this business who kind of get that big head about themselves and and. And so to just know that somebody who's been around so long and done so much, they're not grizzled, they're not angry, they're not any of that stuff, like, that's just a cool thing. And to take that even one step further, you know, when uh, when Percy passed away, um, he made, a, a, he made a, a specific point to leave a message for me and leave a, a package of just some things to give me. Um, and it was just kind of, you know, he just wanted to t- say that he loved me and he knew I'd do big things. Um, and to just, you know, not give up, keep doing what I was doing and stuff like that. And to think that, you know, the man knew he was going to pass away and that he was thinking of me in that time, that's incredible. Um,
1: yeah.
0: You know, I mean, growing up with that guy on my TV and now the fact that, you know, here he spent the last three years next to me going to the ring, and, and now he's thinking of me at, that, like at a time when it's going to be his last moment on earth, and I popped into his mind. Like, that's
4: that's incredible. Yeah, it is absolutely, and you you mentioned SummerSlam, and you know, you, you did spend some time in NXT, and uh, one of the names I I said earlier in the show, Slate Randall. Uh, so so I imagine that, you know, your uh, your Hollywood days um, really had a big, you know, impact on uh, you coming to the WWE. Um, so how, how was it, what was it that actually brought you to WWE, um, and, and had an opportunity to, to, uh, to, to really become a member of the roster and, and perform in NXT?
0: Well, you know, it's funny. I, um, I actually was on a, I was on the blacklist there for a while, um, A guy that used to work, one of the guys who used to work in talent relations, I'll leave him nameless, but he got fired around early uh, 2012, Um, apparently not very well liked in the back anyway. I guess he was kind of a a jerk to a lot of people. But um, uh, for whatever reason, he continuously uh, would bury me in the office. And so I was kind of just, nobody could touch me, nobody would touch me. And so it was, for a lot of years, it was just kind of like frustration and wondering what I'm working toward and why are these guys taking my calls and this, that. And I finally started to get some of the details as to why, and it was, you know, this guy burying me in 2012 and and before that. And, you know, because there was talk of them picking me up in 2011, um, because, like I said, I was there for SummerSlam and then the the follow-up Raw and SmackDown to that, and everything went incredibly well. Uh, But then all of a sudden there was just radio silence on their end, and I hadn't quite understood why until I spoke with this person. He was like, "Well, we're going to go in a different direction." I'm like, "Okay." And he's like, "You can check out Ring on Honor, TNA, whatever." I'm like, "All right, screw it." Um, so I think I want to say maybe five months after I'd spoken to him on the phone, he said that he'd, got, he'd been fired, which was a oh, that was a great day for me. Like, I don't want to see anybody lose their job, but if you're keeping me out of a job, well, you know, here's to you. So <laughs> I, I was. More than happy to see it go. Um, and so this new guy comes in, and I decided, okay, well, let's try and start fresh here. I'll try and establish a rapport. And so the beauty of it is that with the footage that I had from, you know, I've got footage from all different places, and, and but the, the best looking footage, the best produced footage is Championship of in Hollywood. So I would take some of this, you know, great looking television footage that I was on every week. And I put that together, a short little paragraph, just introducing myself, and then kind of just a a resume and some photos. Emailed that to this guy, uh, and he immediately responded to me and was interested, Um, but then found out that I was on this blacklist or whatever. And so it was kind of something where for the next few months I kind of had to just wait and, you know, keep trying to establish this rapport and whatnot. So eventually, finally, it was like, these tryouts kept getting pushed off because at first he offered me a tryout until he found out I was on the blacklist. Then a few months later, I got offered a tryout, but simultaneously, I also was offered a TNA tryout. So my TNA tryout was on a Sunday, and then my, I'm sorry, my TNA tryout was on a Thursday because that's when they used to do uh, Impact live. Um, My tryout was on a Thursday, and then My uh, WWE tryout was actually that following Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So I was ecstatic because now I've got the two big companies both buying for me, and it's perfect. So Thursday, I go and do it. That goes well. And then Sunday, I get an email the day before I'm supposed to go to the WWE tryout, and I'm told that I can't come to the tryout. Um, Wow. And they couldn't say why, but I'm pretty certain that it was because there was the lawsuit going on between TNA and WWE at the time. Yeah. so now it's, it's another waiting game because until that lawsuit was cleared up they wouldn't touch me so months and months and months went by and it was just frustration and this and that and, and at the time that was just what I was interested in and so finally I think it was around December uh, I think it was December finally they got in touch with me again offered me another tryout to come in February 2013 um, and so I came to that tryout in 2013 and it was the roughest thing I've ever been through in my life, uh, honestly. It was it was a grueler. Um, you know, you saw guys passing out, guys getting injured, guys straight up just giving up. Um, that The tryouts are not a they, – they don't mess around, especially with, with Bill Demont at the helm. I don't know if they're still as crazy as they were. I'm sure they are because, I mean, the trainers who were there are the top notch. But Bill is like a, a drill sergeant. And so those tryouts were insane. Um so to that point after doing that after the 3 days and do a little promo stuff and it was just like okay they were like okay we're ready to move forward with this um so you know it was a cool experience and then throw that in and then throw on the the whole thing with the rock and being on the hero it was like wow this is this is my year 2013 was was big time uh, Yeah
4: how was that how man. was how was your hero experience Oh my god man
0: so crazy that that was uh I think that happened only maybe two weeks after the tryout. So it was just like, mm-hmm. it was like, man, I was, I felt like I was jet setting at the time. Cause it was like, I, I went, uh, I, I first they fly me from California to Tampa. I could do that, come back. Then I'm flying to Panama and doing all that stuff. I'm there for like a month um, filming. Like it was just incredible. I mean, the rocks are like a solid, cool dude. Um, you know, I got to make a bunch of money doing that, um, do some crazy stuff, hanging off buildings and things like that. I, yeah. You know, going through the jungle and all that kind of stuff, and uh, I mean, you can't, you can't top that. And then, you know, here's The Rock. Here's a guy who I, I loved watching on TV. A guy who I'm, you know, one one of my inspirations. And uh, so, for that to be the case, it's just, man, it's crazy.
4: Yeah. What were your biggest takeaways from from your NXT stint? Uh, it just, it just seems like it was just untapped. Um, potential. I, I think they missed out on a gold mine uh, with, <laughs> well, with with uh, with Slate Randall, um, but it just you know, you you mentioned that you you feel like you, you don't know exactly why, but you are being held back. Was it? I I, I kind of know why, and I kind of don't. Um, okay. Were there were there any were there any uh, backstage incidents that you got yourself into that, that hurt you? Uh, kind of. Um, okay. They're,
0: they're, they're, they're basically, I came in kind of kind of hot. Um, like, just, you know, I was still on TV at the time. The show was still running while I started my first week uh, down at the Performance Center. I was there. I was, like, you know, part of that very first class that opened up the Performance Center. And um, um, so we're in there, we're going hard, we're going strong. And, um, I think it was probably October was the first real kind of, um, the first kind of tension. Uh, and it seemed like from there, um, it, the tension was really between Bill DeMott and I, um, but it wasn't it, it, nothing like any of the stories that people are telling and whatnot. And, and I'm not saying that's true or it's not, I don't know. Cause that was before my time. I definitely didn't see any of that stuff happening in Orlando. Um, mm-hmm. But I know that just Bill and I, you're talking about two very strong personalities. Um, and and sometimes, honestly, I can be, I can get my own way sometimes. I'm, I'm not uh, above seeing that. Um, and this particular day, I think I showed up late for something. And from then it just seemed like, it seemed like his and I's relationship from that point on was kind of, back-and-forth kind of bumpy, Um, Mm -hmm. and and it seemed like we were always kind of, like, hot one day, cold the other, and so Mm -hmm. it was kind of tough going from there, and I remember, uh, you know, it's funny, the the, the things that are cited online as to why I got uh, fired, uh, an email kind of plays in, uh, but, you know, the the other thing, it says something about social media, but uh, there was nothing about social media, uh, as far as I'm concerned, as far as that I knew, why I got released. There was basically three strikes while I got released. And I know exactly what they are. But I have nothing to say bad about anybody or anything like that. Um, I mean, the experience was great. There were times where I was just frustrated and, and pissed off and, and, and didn't want to be there as well. I'm sure there was you know anybody that was there probably felt that way at times. And there were times where, I'm ec- where I was ecstatic and I make great friendships with guys that I still see regularly when I go to Orlando. And we hang out. And we have a great time. Um, so you know, it, it was a great experience, um, a learning experience. And I did, you know, Terry Taylor, one of the tra- one of the trainers there, always said, you know, you, you have advocates and you have adversaries. Uh, and uh, you want to have as many advocates as you can. And I felt like I had a lot of advocates. The problem was the adversaries that I had were two very important adversaries. Um, mm-hmm. And so that kind of worked against me because instead of playing the game, I, uh, I just, you know. Went through guns ablaze And, and uh, there's some things that are kind of Blown out of proportion, some stories that um, Didn't actually happen The way they did, that led to my, my Getting fired, which I, You know, I kind of wanted to contest, but at the same time It's kind of like, I, you feel like You feel like the, uh, the defendant In court when the police, you know Caught you for speeding, like if I tell the judge That I didn't speed, but the cop says I did Well, who's going to win there? Yeah, so,
1: yeah.
0: I kind of just shut up and just was like Alright, fine, I'm gone
1: yeah <laughs> and um,
0: yeah so you know but but I, I was in a much more fortunate spot than a lot of the guys there, because, um, you know some of the guys that I know there they weren't saving their money and and quite frankly, truth be told, I wasn't saving my money, but i what I did save was I saved my hero money, um so I had a good cushion to fall on where um you know a lot of the other guys that once they get out they're out on their ass and they're stuck and you know, I at least had a good, solid bank account thanks to thanks to the hero. Um, so I've just been kind of riding that until here we go. Uh, we ended up getting a uh, the TNA contract. Now the TNA contract was uh, without getting into specifics. I was very lucky with somebody at WWE speaking well of me to one of the top TNA executives, um, yeah. and so that that's basically how I ended up in TNA. Um, was through um, you know one very strong voice at WWE who was you know kind of a a big supporter of mine and uh, felt that you know they maybe missed the opportunity there and thankfully because you know without that I I don't know that I'd be in TNA because you you know in in certain places um, you know when I wrestle in Vegas for instance one of the monikers that I come out to is you know I, I call myself the best kept secret in wrestling because I really am like I'm Virtually unknown in a lot of ways. Like even though I've been wrestling for 12 years, I've you know I've wrestled, have wrestled from Hollywood. I've been at WWE. Now I'm in TNA, but still in some weird, some strange happenstance, I still seem to be off the radar somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, it's, it's it's thankful to you know making uh, advocates, as Terry Taylor would say.
4: Yeah, that's good. That's awesome because you certainly rebounded, but with your stint in the rising, uh, there's a, a number of questions uh, that's being asked that uh, we certainly can't get to. I think um, just to uh, just to uh, combine a bunch of them together, um, what NXT star or stars that you that are currently in. in you know, wrestling in the, in the, the brand, um, that you would like to compete against? Hmm.
1: Hmm.
0: You know, I, I'd actually love to wrestle. Um, I, I wanted to wrestle Sammy Zane for a long time. I kept pushing for that, uh, while I was there. Hmm. Um, I, I think that that would be an interesting matchup with two very different styles. Um, I think uh, Kevin Owens as well. And it's funny because there's a lot of this controversy on Twitter with me and Kevin Owens, but I didn't say anything bad about him. There was a, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but there was a funny photo that I saw that was actually being passed around between some of the guys in NXT. Because, um, like I said, I still keep contact with some of those guys. And uh, so the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man photo with the uh, NXT title came up. And all I said was, then this happened. Dot, dot, dot. Nothing bad. Didn't say anything bad about anybody. I just posted the photo and people went nuts. I was suddenly sick. Um, and, uh, so, I don't know. Um, you know, it, like if I had said something bad about him, I'd have gotten it. But, um, uh, you know, all I said was then this happened and, and, and the Twitter world went nuts. But, yeah, to answer your question, I, I'd, I'd love to work, uh, uh, Kevin Owens. Um, jevy zane um, uh, uh, uh what, what what is it uh Banff, uh the the um <laughs> was that the blake and murphy factor i love both those guys <laughs> uh, so
4: either uh, Blake and murphy yeah um. Um, yeah <laughs> um uh, well and then and then there's 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 other questions going around mm-hmm. about some dream matches that. Eli Drake just would fit very, very well in. And about. there's one being AJ Styles, there's one being um uh Eli- there's one being Kenny Omega. Uh okay. there's another one being Finn Balor or Prince Devitt as we know in Japan. Mm-hmm. And um one of one of my favorite one of my favorite wrestlers, um Okada, uh, the Rainmaker, um, Kazuchika Okada. So uh, it just it just seems like those names uh, just fit well with uh, against you. Uh, Have you pictured you going against any one of those? And 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 who do you think that you would just have a five star match against from from uh, the people in Japan? or uh just the bullet club you you being uh it seems like you fit- you fit well as a bullet club member too as far as your uh just kind of your cocky <laughs> mentality and uh yeah was another person that was mentioned nakamura yeah
0: well unfortunately i i don't watch a lot of of japan stuff um i uh as far as, like, I've seen AJ Styles, I've seen uh, Finn Balor stuff. As far as the, the Bullet Club, you know, somebody's actually said that to me on Twitter before, and I think my response was that I'm kind of more of a, a solo guy. But uh, who knows? Sometimes it's good to kind of break into a group for a minute, kind of get a little something, and then uh, who knows what can happen from there.
1: And, <laughs> well, uh, and if you get to right... <laughs> If you and get, if the, you right... get to the right...
0: If you get the right group of guys, which I think actually we have right now in the Rising, you know, that kind of thing can work out. Um, I think there's a good dynamic going on between the three of us.
4: Absolutely. You know, it's funny funny that you you mentioned the Bullet Club and and the Rising. Um, How did that come about? Like, what was it about Drake and, uh, uh, well, as we know in, in NXT and WWE, is Camacho, now Micah. And so I mean, what was it? How did the rising come together? And did you want to start off as a baby face or would you prefer a heel being a heel? Um you know what? That that's a tough question because it seems like whenever
0: I'm a baby face I wanna be a heel. Whenever I'm a heel I wanna be a babyface. Um I don't know if that's just the natural rebel inside me or what, but uh I um you know, growing up as a kid I always wanted to be the good guy, I always wanted to be the hero. Um uh, and it just seems like people naturally cast me as the bad guy just when they see me. Um, so I, I was actually very surprised when they said going to be maybe face fashion? Um, Because everywhere I go, they're like, oh, no. You, the whole time I was in NXT, all I ever heard was, you're a natural hero. You have a face. You just have a face of a jerk. I just want to slap you in the face. They're like, no, but that's a good thing. They're like, no, you can't buy that. And I'm like, okay, thank you, I think.
4: Um, so... You know, I
0: I, I don't know. Um, but it, you had Drew already, already kind of make a splash in there, and then uh, Micah and I actually wrestled on the one-night-only uh, gut check pay-per-view. Now, I don't even know if that's ever been seen or aired or anything yet, but we had one hell of a match. Um, it really went down very well, especially because, I mean, it started out as a five-man and it ended up with, you know, the two of us. Uh, you know, he ended up winning the match, but it was just it was an excellent match from start to finish, and you're talking about you know, a crowd in there who didn't know who really any of us were and still able to pull them in with us and for them to follow us on the journey and and be there every step of the way. It's just incredible, and and I think that, um, I think obviously, you know, the the guys at TNA saw that. They saw what we were doing, and and, and then you throw in, you know, Micah's lineage, and and it was just kind of like, okay, this is cool. We've got Three guys kind of in a similar professional position, um, you know, who've been put out um kind of told, you know, you know, go here and do this. And so it's kind of three guys with the same similar backgrounds, feelings. Uh, and then you throw in the whole thing with the BDC, and it was just kind of a natural fit. You got those guys and us, and, and we're just, you know, rocking and rolling. we were
4: able to come in hot that very first week. Yeah, absolutely! Congratulations on your hot win, previous hot. Uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I just, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy. I, I like it. I like the rising. I think it's a great uh, spin, uh, a great, a uh, spark of uh, of interest in TNA right now. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy that you rebounded. And yeah, man, I, it's just something about it's just I just can't shake it though. It just makes sense. I mean, even Micah, because his brother's in a Bullet Club right now, uh, Tomatonga. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> it just it just makes sense for you and Micah, and even Drew would be a good Bullet Club member to be honest with you. He, he kind of <laughs> has that that feel to it too. So I think it's like. You know, if if I don't know, man, it just seems like if if the rising can become like the bullet club of TNA, so to speak. It just, I, I just, I like. I'm, I was, I'm like you as a kid. I, I was a big fan of the baby faces, and you know, I, I still, am, I still am for the most part pro baby face. Of course, there's a, a number of heels that I like, but just it, it just seems like all of you have the 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 ability and the personality to just you know even outdo the BDC as heels you know it just cuz i think i like the BDC I, I, I like their heelish ways i think it's a good thrust you know and in, in just the interest in, in the product um but you know I, I think that uh yeah it's just something about the rising to me that just uh, could 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 really emulate a bullet club type type of feel to them so yeah, we'll, we'll see. No, I mean, we'll I, see, we'll see. I've we'll got go. all kinds
0: of stuff that I'd love to say to, you know, MVP and Kenny King and Loki and all these guys. You know, give me a second to, to really get a promo on these guys. And, uh,
4: there you we'll go. Go for story. it, man. Do it. Give, give me thirty seconds. Oh no, not you, not you now. I mean, I'm just saying in general. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just man. I, give I, me a uh, microphone and a camera,
0: I, I, and I, I got you know I, I can
4: wax philosophical on these guys. Yeah. There you go you can you can throw some Road Hoyer hawk in there man uh, Yeah, <laughs> it, it's story tale. uh before you wrap up man uh, i am just i i usually do this with uh, most of uh, the people i interviewed and um just just five names real quick um that I want to just throw at you just give me a really short uh, synopsis of of uh them i start off with uh triple h uh, I don't know. Um, I'll just leave it at that. I don't know. Mm, okay. Stephanie McMahon.
0: Uh, you know, I, I haven't had enough exposure to her, so I'm not really sure. <laughs> That's another one I'm not sure. Like, I, I mean, I met her a few times. She was cool. She was nice. She was uh, courteous. Um, mm-hmm. um, but you know, n- nothing, <laughs> Even though we, we filmed, like, the the DVDs, the fitness DVDs and whatnot when I did that, um, you know, um, still not super long exposure with her because she was mostly with the girls and we weren't there when they were doing that. Um, but that would have been the most time that I'd seen her and really had me exposure to her other than just saying hello
4: and moving along. Yeah. John Laurinaitis. Ah, John Laurinaitis.
0: John Laurinaitis. outwardly nice Um, but I can't get a read because I feel like see his right hand guy was the one who blacklisted me blackballed me a few years ago so I start to wonder if he had a part in that or if it was just kind of like this other guy's personal thing and he was kind of like oh okay well if you don't like him then whatever but I mean I've never had a I've never had a straight out flat out issue with the guy or anything like that
4: Um, you know when I was there he was nice and welcoming so you know Good in my book mm-hmm. And this one li- This person lines up to one of the questions I was asked Um By the um The live uh stream Here the chat room mm-hmm. Dean Ambrose Oh Dean Ambrose uh <laughs> Love that guy
0: uh Yeah we I just saw him over WrestleMania weekend actually cause I uh, Was wrestling King of the Indies in Um and uh he, myself, and this other guy that we used to always hang out with named uh, Buffalo, Brian Jennings, um, we all met up at this bar. And uh, he's been really good to us from Brian, um, where, like, he'll bring him out to the WrestleManias and stuff like that and give him, like, you know, access to go to the Hall of Fame and stuff like that. And, and you know, Brian, Brian's a, a guy that I lived with before I lived with John, or Dean, sorry. Um, and then um, – you know, and then when we, we lived together, we always hung out all together and whatnot. So to get to see him uh, and Brian together was just awesome because uh, I hadn't seen actually I hadn't seen Dean Ambrose since we lived together in 2009. So just seeing him uh, this past March was the first time in you know almost six years. Mm-hmm. Um, but cool guy. I mean, so many good memories. Just crazy stuff. I mean, the stuff that went on in that apartment, I can't even
4: I can't even say right now. So and of course Brian Cage is making some uh moves and uh making some noise in lucha underground so that's that's good stuff yes, indeed. um <laughs> i love the a uh, 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 Brian Cage listening to Brian Cage
0: promos sometimes is the funniest thing but um hearing other people uh uh imitate him is is the best just, they always make it sound kind of like Scott Steiner, where he kind of like skips over his words and whatnot. Not hating on Brian, <laughs> I love you, Brian. Uh, it's just it's funny when I hear other people interface. The so.
4: Ooh, Scott Steiner promos are a uh, very interesting uh, comparison. <laughs> very unique to, 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 make, yeah. to keep it political. <laughs> sure.
1: um,
4: and then finally, John Cena. Uh,
0: John Cena. Wow.
4: Um, as
0: far as in the wrestling business. Hardest-working guy there is. Um, uh, You know, again, only limited access, or I guess access is the wrong word, limited interaction with the guy. Um, Mm -hmm. But of what I saw, seems to be cool, laid back, fun. Um, But, you know, works his ass off. You're talking about all the different charity things, the visitations, and, you know, the commercials and everything. And his schedule is absolutely insane. So um, yeah, I want to say I don't envy it, but I do because
4: I want that. I want to
0: be that busy, you know.
4: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Man, it's been a pleasure, and of course, there's uh, one more person that I'd uh, like to know your thoughts uh, about, and his name so, is Derek. He's actually on the line with us now.
0: Oh, Mr. Peepers! I've been wondering where he's been this whole time.
4: <laughs> I, uh, <laughs>
0: I, I lived with him for a long time. Uh, unfortunately, in the living room of a bedroom, a one-bedroom apartment, um, some other things had happened in that apartment that I can't speak about here. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think that um, we used to, whenever we used to have uh, disagreements, we would actually pull out lightsabers, and we would battle, and, and we'd duel, and that would be how we'd sell, settle our arguments. Nice. Uh,
1: uh, there's been many disagreements, but uh, not yeah. too many. But I just got to say, I mean, it's obviously I haven't been, uh, in the wrestling scene like, uh, Eli Drake and of course, you know, Dean Ambrose, but to actually tangle with those guys and just be a part of that class that Cody Hawk taught back in the day and to still just be as passionate as wrestling, um uh, it's totally amazing. It blows my mind that, you know, I rub shoulders with these guys and, uh, the things that happen in the apartment, and even with Buffalo Brian Jennings, uh, we got to get him on this show, too, sometime. I mean, honestly. <laughs> and, oh, he's a nut. I mean, he is absolutely, absolutely nuts. Peepers! He gave me that name, Peepers. That was my HCA yeah. nickname. But, uh, I mean, absolutely awesome. I love to watch you guys just grow and be everything you guys can be. I mean, it's just absolutely phenomenal. I love doing this show now. Yeah, I get a little bit of of uh, respect, just because of the some of the ties I've had in the past and everything. But I mean, honestly, I mean it was just absolutely wonderful. And I mean, Sean, he was talking about I'm sorry, Eli, about the uh, HWA being a, it was clicky. And I think I've mentioned that to you before, Chris. It was very yeah. clicky, and I, mm-hmm. I think they really did miss out as far as. It's part of the association of what uh, Eli Drake at the time had to offer, and uh, it was just it was frustrating to me to see them be that way towards them, because I mean that was that was my roommate, and it was, you know that, what do they think of me now? Because you know I'm sitting here in <laughs> the my and things like that, and yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know my <laughs> I mean, hat's off to do there. I mean this has been a, a great time. It was. Always great. Times in Cincinnati was phenomenal, but uh, thank you so much for doing the show with us tonight. And uh, yeah, I mean, thank hey, you, uh, I, Derek, Derek. Actually, I'll... Derek saved
0: me. Actually, um, I was like a, a lost puppy on the street for a little while because um, I was living with this one guy who had the worst apartment ever of all time. Uh, smelled like cat pee the whole time. Uh, there was barbecue sauce on the light switches. It, it was a mess. But anyway. He just stopped paying the rent at one point, and we got evicted. Um, <laughs> at which point, I was even though I was paying my chunk, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm out on the street. I think I moved in with uh, these two girls for, like, a couple nights until that went haywire. And then, finally, uh, Derek got down there just in time so that I could move into his living room on my air mattress. It was uh, – <laughs> I, I really owe him a lot, but uh, even though it was a terrible setup, I mean, who wants this idiot, you know – out in his living room the whole time, but, uh, but it was, it was
4: a cool time. It was a good situation. Wow. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Well, I appreciate it. Eli, uh, best wishes to your career in TNA, man. And I, you know, uh, the, I always tell people I'm a certified life coach and all, and I have just pithy sayings all the time. Now, I always tell people the sky is the platform because if uh, you know, the sky is the limit you you you've created a limit so um uh, so you know, that. and that's yeah so that's 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 my you know my encouragement to you and just you know keep looking up you know and uh and congratulations to to be inserted into a very a huge you know uh angle right now and a very awesome awesome uh, trio of the rising and and best wishes to you man. Thank you so much. If I can
0: fit one more thing in here, I just want to remind everybody, TNA Impact is now on Wednesday nights on Destination America at 9 o'clock Eastern Time, 6 o'clock West Coast Time. Please be there. Get there. We're not going anywhere. You can find Ring of Honor right before us, actually, 8 o'clock. But more importantly, because I'm on the show, TNA Impact (laughs) is on Wednesday nights at 9 o'clock. Do not miss it. DVR it. Be there live.
4: Watch it. Don't go anywhere. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. uh, I really appreciate you giving me the time. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, real quick, 30 seconds. Uh, Any ill will of ROH uh, getting that spot before you?
0: (laughs) No, not at all. Uh, I I think it can actually present uh, some pretty crazy opportunities, you know. If if we can actually find some way to work together and do some stuff, I I think it could actually be really awesome because never in the history of the business have two wrestling companies been on one TV channel.
4: Yeah. Except for Black Saturday back in 1984 and we'll talk about that a little bit uh going on here. But that wasn't the same. That was just Vince McMahon just uh uh <laughs> grabbing the neck of world Championship of Georgia Championship wrestling uh, and say, "Hey, let me yeah. buy your airtime." <laughs> yeah. So, uh, let's let's hope that that didn't happen at all with uh, either ROH or TNA cuz uh <laughs> wrestling needs competition. So, absolutely. Absolutely best best wishes, man, and uh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. Bring what you got. The measuring stick
3: just changed around here, buddy. You're looking at it. Four corners, free. are mine. Let's go. The whole squad is Making it clear, we've taken this year. You know who we are, but you don't know why we here. So this is where the big boys play. These big boys play. Like who defies the living guy? Get out the big boys' way. Outsiders with the swoop in. We live as kings, you see in us. But our third man waits in the wings. And when the time is right, we shock him with the proper attack. I go for dolo but ain't solo. Cut the promo in black. Hollywood, Hendrix, Frizzle, pinning them to the
2: one. With the strength of a hundred men with one intent to see the will fulfilled of the one who sent his son to give himself? But you rap out your gas in your rags torture, white coffins when I drop a bomb. My mic's awesome, never lost faith. You in all space, you can all skate, suffer, but never cripple. No bin walls in my cross face. From here to Saturn, they raving, anticipating. I was frostbit, now I am Glacier, mixed with some Vader. Get to hawking with these animals, using God for my defense and action. Alabama, we and That's beautiful Bobby Eaton. Me and Priest, we the dangerous alliance now. Nah, the Harlem Heat, tie the do-rag before we do battle. You're talkin' sheep, you are what you speak. This too sweet. number is took back, we reppin' that work pack.
3: The foundation shaking, no mistakin', yeah, we shook that. Trust in God, we trust, Pushing forward, never look back. Meekness ain't at all weakness, some people must shook that. Stampin' out this crook rap, he turning the power on, on the race. Nose leg drop after a power bomb. Tired of the lies, man. We bringing the truth through. Diligent and fruitful. The owners in our group too. It's good to be king.
2: Sold out, this war it's brutal. We playing them war games. Our army go move too. youth crew, I'm in the rafters with a bat in my hand and stand to shatter all your plans so they don't matter. in the grand scheme, it's that easy. We tag teaming, the Brothers. We love it, demand the win, establish it. fit the clash to the champions. This is where the big boys play, huh? We ain't here to play.
4: Eli Drake, such an amazing interview. I think uh, he um, actually um, really got to uh, really promote himself on this interview because he he did mention that uh, although he's been wrestling for a long time, he's not grossly known. But I definitely am hoping that uh, you know, his time with um um yeah, with, with his time and 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 TNA would definitely help him with uh, just creating the brand of uh Sean Ricker, uh, that much more. Appreciate uh his time here. Man, we only have uh less than ten minutes left, so uh I said that we uh, we're going to start the uh, TNA the the the, the inaugural uh, we are wrestling uh, world trivia championship. So let's get at it. Uh, we'll, we'll just go. We'll, we'll just run through Raw. It wasn't anything big uh, from it, anyways. Um, and then we'll do the Money in the Bank predictions, and we'll talk about Black Saturday a little bit. Uh, and then we'll we'll end with Money in the Bank predictions, actually, which I'm very happy that I will be there live in attendance. Uh, I'm very excited about that. Uh, so here's the thing with the uh, we are wrestling uh, the the inaugural uh, World Trivia Championship, and and we'll 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 kind of do a pilot tonight, and just really get into it a little bit more next week uh the the whoever wins the, the the championship whoever gets the most uh uh trivia questions right tonight and I'll just keep going through them um we we're, we're going to lightning speed for the next 5 minutes um whoever wins tonight will be the inaugural uh trivia we are wrestling trivia world trivia champion um, but but we need someone in the uh, on uh, on in the chat room. So if you're uh, if you're uh, tuning us through Twitter or any other avenue, go to wrestling dot net w a w nation dot com, uh, and this is where the um, the world trivia championship uh, is going to be housed. Or you can go to the uh, uh, the Bleach, the the blog talk radio live chat, and we'll just kind of mingle both of them together as far as score is concerned but we do we do need a scorekeeper. We need we need a scorekeeper um to, you know, to to let us know. So, we need we need someone in the live uh chat right now, the live stream. We need someone to to keep score uh of the score so we can carry them over till next week. Um and and real quick, uh, the rules are if you win the championship, you have uh, 30 days to defend it. So you have you can defend it once a month. Uh, pr- preferably, you're not like you don't weasel your way out and just you know not want to defend it. But it, we're going old school. 30 day rule. If you don't defend it once in a month, you will it will be relinquished and vacated. So uh, that's the biggest rule of the trivia, the world trivia champion. All right, so let's hur- let's hurry up. Here we go. Uh, question: First question on the deck is who was who has the most TNA X Division title reigns? Who has the most TNA X Division title reigns? Let's go through RAW here. John Cena promo interrupted by Kevin Owens. Both issue open challenge. Neville accepts Kevin Owens. Interesting idea there. I, I liked it actually. Kevin Owens defeating Neville. Nikki Bella defeating Summer Rae. Roman Reigns' uh, promo, each participant of Money in the Bank appears, except Neville. Uh, Sheamus uh, defeating Randy Orton by DQ. Orton attacks Sheamus post-match. Kane defeating Ziggler. Uh, is distracted when Rusev was talking to Lana, and Lana falls off the stage and twists her ankle. Right back in Big Show on Ms. Mix- TV. Harp and Roman uses the uh, 3D, as they call the way, uh, defeating Los Matadores biggie defeating Titus O'Neil, uh Roman Reigns defeating Kofi Kingston, uh J&J Security defeating Seth Rollins because Seth Rollins had the opportunity to uh pick anyone uh that he wanted to uh to fight and then Losing to J and J Security, and uh, you know, there's not too much about Raw that I want to mention right now. I don't think it was a very good go home show to Money in the Bank, but just Seth Raw. I know Seth Rollins is, you know, we'll talk about predictions here in a few seconds. But even if Seth Rollins is going to lose, is going to beat Dean Ambrose cleanly for the for the championship without any help is what they're doing now. Uh, Losing to. J and J. Security is su- was such a horrible, horrible idea.
1: Well, it was horrible and I mean the whole thing that says Monday Night Raw last night, it's it's the to go the go home show for Money in the Bank did nothing. Absolute disgrace. Total garbage. I mean Seth Rollins has a lot going for him at the moment and I mean it's kind of up in the air what's gonna happen with everything. You got Ambrose in the mix. But it's Again, it was just really not that uh, it was it was a horrible spectacle, and
4: I'd give it a probably a D plus. If yeah, that. It was it was not good at all. Um, Chris Sabin is the correct answer. So, who's ever keeping score? The first person that said Chris Saban, point for them. Uh, next question is name the only two people who have held the ROH World Championship twice. The only two people who uh, have held the weights world heavyweight championship twice all right real quick um let's go let's talk to black we'll we'll talk a little we'll talk about black saturday a little bit more next week um we'll we'll make this a two week uh thing and then we'll also talk about black, bad blood two thousand four next week too that was the last pay-per-view in Columbus, Ohio, 11-year stretch. So we'll talk about uh, Black Saturday and Bad Blood 2004 uh next week of the flavor of the week. Uh but yeah, 1984, uh I just watched the full episode the, the entire episode of that that uh, that today and uh yeah, it was uh it was crazy. Um <laughs> Uh, and real quick uh, follow at eli drake t n a follow at eli drake TNA. uh thanks again for him uh, but yeah nineteen eighty four uh, i think it was july 14, eighty four uh and up the, the 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 credits the opening uh opening you know um uh segment uh, the the opening introduction comes on for world championship wrestling and all of a sudden uh you got one of the uh you got someone announcing Vince McMahon <laughs> And it was absolutely crazy And they they, they, still, they Were still showing the WCW the world The World Championship Wrestling uh, When they went to commercial It was still the same theme music It still said World Championship Wrestling More coming It, it was absolutely insane uh, That Vince McMahon uh, took that time You know from uh, the TBS uh, And it was absolutely Absolutely crazy Um yeah, very very interesting moment there.
1: Interesting moment. I just want to say, I watched a little bit of it earlier too. Probably like the first ten minutes. And he was just sitting there. Hey, we're going to have the World Wrestling Federation come in, and uh, you'll have exciting new matches. And here's the microphone, Vince McMahon. See you later.
4: Right. I mean, what does that? I have to
1: do? I mean, it's, it, what? <laughs> How can you just stand there and do that? And I mean, for crying out loud, that was that was bad. That was bad taste.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you. The referee. We got a referee, absolutely. Uh Jay Briscoe and Austin Aries, uh, are the is the correct answer. Who made up the team of the Pitbulls in the WWE? Who made the team of the Pitbulls in the WWE? All right, real quick, let's get to let's get to money in the bank this year and again I'm very, very excited. I'll be there and we'll I'll talk about uh live you know, um I'll talk money in the bank live, uh my my live uh experience from, from uh the show and I'm I'm really really excited about that. NXT is coming um around my way too so NXT Saturday, Money in the Bank Sunday, good stuff. I'm very excited. Alright real quick, um uh, R Truth and and Barrett, who who wins that match?
1: Barrett
4: Uh yes uh absolutely uh noble and cash is correct uh, great job next is uh what was Xavier Woods name in TNA what was Xavier Woods name in TNA all right uh Cena versus Owen Who you got
1: uh, i've got cena of course
4: yeah cena for me too beard and cena yes uh bella and page
1: i have got Paige going
4: uh, I think they were still. I think, I think we're still going to see Nikki Bella. Right back, big show. Right back. Yes, absolutely. New Day and primetime players. New Day, of course. Yes, New Day. Rollins, Ambrose.
1: Rollins by technicality.
4: Yeah, I, I see. I see Rollins winning clean. Uh, Neville, Ziggler, Orton, Kingston, Sheamus, Kane, Reigns. Who wins the money in the bank? Roman Reigns. I agree as well. And Consequences Creed is the correct answer. we got a few more seconds left. Uh, name uh, two other gimmicks that Christopher Daniels had in TNA. Thank you so much, Eli Drake, TNA. Next week, Money in the Bank. We got so much to cover. Thank you so much. God bless. Day loves and Elijah. Good night.
3: With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.